podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Coach Unplugged is brought to you by great people over at teachhoops.com. For coaches who want to get better, from the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. Here is your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Coach Unplugged, episode 304. Um, Today, we're going to do part two of our interview with Coach Cooks. But before we do that, I want to give a big shout out to Dr. Dish, our sponsor for this calendar, one of our sponsors for this calendar year. Go over and check them out. Um, You know, we live in, I don't know if all your players are connected at the hip with those phones, but you can actually run Dr. Dish through your phone. You can look up workouts. It can keep tracks of makes and misses. My son loves it. You know, he can keep track of, uh, it's probably why he can shoot the three ball as well as he can, but he can run all of it through his uh, phone and keep track of makes and misses and all that kind of stuff and have different workouts and he has different things that he does. So go over and check him out. Make sure you mention Coach Unplugged and they'll give you $300 off your next purchase. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. It's not only got videos and resources and a community and, you know, office hours and one-on-one calls with me and you name it. If we don't have it, we'll get it for you. It is, in my opinion, the best basketball resource. I mean, obviously, if you just want to go watch a video, there's better places. Um, You know, maybe if you want to just have a mentor, there's better places. But we have everything that you would need to become a better basketball coach, to turn programs around, to keep keep them successful. You know, I've coached at every level. (laughs) Um, I know what it's like. I've, you know, there's people out there that are running them and have never coached a team. Um, you know, I've coached and I've won, um, at every level. Um, you know, I can, I can, I can name my losing season singular. So go over and check it out. I don't think you'll be disappointed. It is my baby. It's like I said it before a couple of times, it allows us to keep the lights on for this podcast and everything else we do. So go over and check it out. All right. We're going to go and head off to part two of our interview with coach cook. One more thing I forgot. And usually I don't add these things. I forgot that uh, Coach's book will be down in the show notes. Make sure you check it out. Um, it is Getting Undressed from Paralysis to Purpose. It's a great book. Go over and check it out. Um, we'll put a link down in the show notes so you can, uh, after you hear Coach, you can go get it for him. You uh, know, I, they, they tend to look at that and like, how do they respond to that? I think that's a great point. Yeah, and, and you know, I think that um, that's just kind of how life is. You know, when things are going great and there's nothing to challenge us, we don't have time to reflect. We don't, we don't take the time. We have the time. We just don't take the time to reflect. Even in the midst of wins, if you're building a winning culture, you're always saying that there's something that we can improve on. Sure. You never get satisfied to the point where you can't grow and you can't learn. If that's where, if that's where you are, then something is wrong with that culture. Right. And, and you're not, and you're not going to have sustained success because that's what we all want is we want sustained success. You know, we don't want it. We don't want to be a one, a one hit wonder. Right. You know, we like to have a lot of hits yep. <laughs> over and over exactly. and over exactly. <laughs> and over again. Right. And, and part of that is, is learning, is learning how to learn in situations where we haven't done our best. Okay. Uh, the next thing is uh, we, you talk a lot about whether it was in the, as a classroom teacher, uh, this idea of preparation. Um, do you have any tidbits or anything, even for even younger coaches and uh, at all levels, the importance of preparation and how we can prepare players to make things, game situations or games to be easier? Because even in your AP economics class, 
you made it even more hardcore than it really was on the AP test. And that makes a lot of sense. And I, I would like you to elaborate a little bit on that as a basketball coach. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think that game day should be the easiest day of the week for a team or easiest days. If you have two games that week, um, I think that the, the, the um, ability to push guys and gals well past where they think they can go and you keep stretching them is very, very important. Um, guys didn't like practice at Marquette high school. They were tough. They were hard. They were physical. Um, but when we got to the games, I like to, do, I, I used to tell the guys all the time, I like to do my, do my coaching and practice. I make adjustments in games. Yep. And so I did a ton of coaching and practice and preparing our guys for situations. Um, one of the things that I, that I found the longer I got, uh, the longer I had been in the game was some of the mistakes I made as a young coach was I tried to be too complicated and make things like, you know, to prove that I was a coach, that I knew what I was doing more than they did. Yeah. That I knew more than they did. And then what I found out was simplicity is the greatest tool of a coach because you're it's the sooner your players can grasp a particular concept, then you can tweak it right to, to something else. But if you're trying to get all deep and run 25 different defenses and 30 different offenses, and you know, I, I get confused. And if, if, <laughs> and if I'm confused, I can only imagine, right. you know, what my players would have been like. So, so that type of preparation that keeps it simple, but keeps it extremely competitive um, and you're stretching them and it's physical. And my guys needed to be very tired at the end of practice. I'd, I didn't mind that because if they played as hard in the game as they were in practice, they could go overtime, uh, another quarter, whatever it would be, because I know they would be physically and most importantly, mentally gotcha. ready. The mental aspect of the preparation and getting your players to be mentally tough and to handle um, game situations when things don't go their way. You know, you're, you're, down, you're down five with two minutes to go and, and the other team's in the bonus. We have to win this game. And to create those types of situations over and over and over because they need to rehearse them so when they see them, it's not new to them. Um, it's hard to expect, especially at the high school level, um, high school players to be able to always, quick, always think as quickly as we like for them to. But if they see it and they're familiar with it, then they can attack it appropriately because how you see a thing will determine how you attack it. And if you've never seen it before, you won't know what's going on. For sure. That just makes you a better coach too. If you, you practice those things and over and over we oh, talked yeah. about that as well on, on coach unplugged. The other thing that I really thought was important um, when you had some success as a high school basketball and you, you even acknowledge it about other coaches and so forth, uh, the importance of listening to players and other coaches. 
I think that um, we have talked about that, and I think it's good to get somebody else's perspective. You talk about um, one, uh, you had a little bit of struggle with a really talented team um, in, in your career, and the coach told you a couple, uh, the players told you a couple things, and you were able to reflect on that. And then a co another coach came in from Adam Friendship, Wisconsin. He told you that maybe you should add the one three one. Can you, can you talk about the importance of listening to your players and other coaches as a high school basketball coach or any uh, at any level of coaching yeah. basketball? Absolutely. And I failed to mention this when I was talking about communication. Mm -hmm. Listening is probably the biggest part of communication, not speaking, listening. And um, one of the things that was a challenge for me uh, with that really good team was it was an experienced team. And so I assumed some things. I assumed because they had been with us a couple of years and they were ready that they could handle what they were seeing on the court. And the one thing I learned is that everybody likes to be coached. If they're on a team, they want to be coached, especially in those situations when it gets tense and tight. They're looking, to, for, they're looking for direction from leadership. Do you think that also comes with if you have a good relationship with your players, they're trusting and you want that, they want that back from you? Because yes. They, they have that connection with you in a sense. I feel like that even as a classroom teacher, and you've been a classroom teacher before, is like they, they do, they, your kids want that. Your players want that. And I think that it, it's okay. You feel like they're going to be able to do all of it themselves. But in the end, once you have that relationship, they're trusting in you and they want to hear that information. And if you've done their preparation, they're going to be able to do it, but they want to hear it from you. Yeah, they want to. That's absolutely right. There is a trust factor there that is we always talk about how we want to be able to trust our players. Well, you know something? Your players want to be able to trust you, too. And that's not talked about a whole lot. And I learned that kind of the hard way after we blew a, a 20 point lead against the Germantown team and we lost the game. And. So we met the next day and I said, well, guys, you know, what, what's going on? What, is, what, what can I do to help you? And the, and the answer was very simple. A player said to me, we need you to coach us. I, I was like, what, what, what? What do you mean? I, that, I thought that's what I was doing. I thought I was put, putting them in a position where they could go forward and I could just, you know, kind of let them do what they needed to do. They weren't there yet. And I didn't realize that, but thankfully there was enough of a culture established for open communication right. where they felt comfortable enough to say, well, look, man, we need for you to coach us. That's what we need for you to do. And we need for you to do what you're supposed to do. And wow, you know, that's, I had to take a couple steps back and just kind of think about what he just said to me. I wasn't doing my job. I wasn't doing my job, but thankfully there was enough of a relationship there that he was able to say that to me. And then we'll talk about the one, three, one zone. You know, I was, I was a man to man guy. All right. Marquette had us all. We ran man to man. You never ran. That's because that's what tradition had said. And so, um, I, I didn't know, honestly, the reason I didn't put it in sooner because I didn't know how to run it. Right. And it, it takes time. <laughs> And it takes time. And so instead of me listening to my assistant coaches, and I normally give my assistant coaches a lot of leeway and responsibilities in our practice because I, my job is to coach them and prepare them as well. Um, and so I was a little resistant to the one three one zone. And it was because, it was because of my pride and my own ignorance, which is a bad combination, um, that I didn't put it in. Well, eventually, 
my, my, and I was grateful that my assistant coaches, they were persistent with me and never let me off the hook on this. And once we were, once we put that in and what they saw was something I didn't quite see that fit, that, that fit the personnel of our team better than any other defense that we could play. And once, they, once I began to understand what they were saying, because I couldn't even teach that in practice for a month or two, I had to let the other coaches do it so I could understand the terminology, the rotations, and all those types of things. And you know what? It changed our season and, 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 and actually changed the way basketball was played for a while down here in southeastern Wisconsin Absolutely. because of the success we had with it. And it was all about listening. Um, if you stop, if you stop learning as a coach and you stop listening as a coach, then you're on your way to be a failure as a coach. Yeah, we, and we did, we did I a am, podcast a couple uh, weeks ago about the importance of being authentic and vulnerable. And I think that we're so, as being the head coach of, at any, at any level where we, we know it all. And, and I think it's really okay actually to step back and say, you know what? you might know this way better than I do and go with it because you're going to make a lot more sense of it. And the kids are going to pick up on that. Right. Yes. If you don't know what you're, you know what you're talking about, with the one <laughs> one, right. You're going to look yeah. like a complete idiot. Yes. And the, the kids consistent do it. and knows what he's doing. Go with it. Right? The kids, the kids know. And, and so that, that whole thing about being transparent and vulnerable, you know, the kids know real when they see it and that's what they respect. And I think, um, the sooner that you can say, as soon as, as soon, the sooner you can admit that you have flaws and that you don't know everything, um, that opens up everybody to help each other uh, and as a team to move forward. And that was, man, that was one of the um, big lessons I learned. Um, I think that I, I tell people that you manage your time and you manage your money, but you lead people. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying that. Make sure you stop right now what you're doing. I don't want you to not finish finish this, but go over and uh, subscribe and like. Leave that five-star review. We would really appreciate that. And then uh, if you get a chance, when you get home, pull that credit card out and join teachhoops.com. Great time off-season to become a better coach. Make yourself uh, you know, better for your players. So let's get back to the interview. And people want to be led. They don't want to necessarily be told what to do, but they like to be led. And part of that is that whole communication thing we talked about. And a lot of it is listening. And listening is a big difference between listening and waiting to speak. Because I was waiting to speak a lot when I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) I already had an answer in my mind for what my coaches were going to tell me before they even got finished. And and that was um, one one of the great growing moments for me as a coach. And after that, um, you talk about the freedom to truly rely on your staff to help you. Oh my gosh, it changes what you do. It frees you up to not have that full burden to have to do and know everything. You share that with your staff. And that's, that is one of the most um, advantageous things that ever happened to me. Right. And that, that took you some while to do that. I mean, it was, and, and, and that, that's the whole point of Coach Unplugged and what we do with Teach Hoops is being able to take veteran coaches. And, you know, if we also talk about like there's so much basketball out there. You could search the word basketball on the internet and, you know, and it's like a huge ray of light and you're trying to pull all this stuff, but, you know, learning from other coaches and experiences where, where it really is at. 
So, you know, one thing we've never really talked about, and I, I don't want to make it a difficult topic, but your, your, your stance at Marquette ended kind of abruptly and yeah. it went sour for you. And I think as coaches and my first varsity job went very sour for me when, when a job doesn't go the way you want and you end up leaving, whether it's on your terms or their terms, how do you handle that? You know, and I thought you handle it really well. And I think it's important because I think coaches think, you know, this is the all end all right. job, you know, what, right. what do we do to, after that, that happens to, mm-hmm. to move forward and still be involved and instilled and to continue to be positive and love the game as much as you still love the game of basketball? Well, you know, I think um, one of the things that um, is pretty important anytime you deal with adversity or, or unexpected events in your life like that um, is to not make it personal. Uh, you have to, you have to remove yourself from it for a moment. Um, deal with the, the frustration and, and, and being mad and angry about it, but you just can't stay there. Um, when it was when we parted ways, um, I was very I, I didn't see it coming. I mean, it was came out of nowhere. I mean, for I me. didn't see it coming in your book, to be honest with you. Right, I mean, right. no, we had success, like, and we what, what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly how it I'm happened. I'm still confused by the whole thing, and I'm sure you're still. So I, I don't know. People that read the book and talk about the book, you're just you didn't see it coming, and so no, I. No, you you didn't see it coming, and so, um, and we had we had good success, but we had we also had some tough times too, right? And so, um, so when it happened, you know, I had to kind of, I have my three R's: reflect, regroup, and relaunch. Yep. And the first thing I did, I, I just stepped back and I and I began to evaluate not just what I had done at Marquette High, but what I had done for all of my career as a coach. What were the things that I've done that are pretty good? What things could I have improved on? Um, what things um, don't I know? What things can I still learn? And then um, I begin to evaluate, do I want to still do this now? Um, do, I have ga- do I have some gasoline left in the tank? Is there more that I can give? And once I got to that point of regrouping myself and said, you know something? Um, I still have a love for this game. I still like to be involved in some capacity. You know, where do I go from here? And I think that a lot of times um, we live in places that are supposed to just be an experience. We live there for too long. I needed to learn from that experience too on what happens when when you hear uh, we're going in another direction. And you're not going with us. <laughs> you know, like, right. it's like, what, what did I do? Right. Well, um, at that point I started thinking about, man, I still love to coach. I think I'm, I think I'm done with the high school level thing. I don't think I want to go back and do another high school gig. Um, so what can I do? And th- the next best thing was college basketball in the area. And can I just go help somebody? Can I just be a part of a program? So I, w- I actually went back to what I did at Duke in terms of just looking for some, some, somewhere to help, some way to get involved. And um, I think that's a lesson for all of us in many ways is that, um, you know, our obstacles may redirect us, but they don't redefine who we are. And I was still a coach. I still thought I was a pretty good coach. Um, and Marquette High moved on with what they needed to do. And I needed to, I needed to move on. And a lot of times, like I said, I was sitting there trying to figure out what happened and they were already interviewing people. So, right. so, so I'm like, wait a minute. The world doesn't always, the world doesn't wait for you. you no, the, the world doesn't wait for me. And so, um, you know, reflect, regroup and, and relaunch. I mean, um, 
disappointment a lot of times will will um, traject you in a particular direction and will help you to move forward. And um, I'm really happy with with where I landed. Um, and it's interesting because um, not only did I land at Concordia, but I ended up doing some USA East Coast basketball things in Europe with Frank Martin and a guy named Guy Raincourt, which I couldn't have done if I was still coaching at Marquette High School. Um, so there were things now that were part of my toolbox that I was able to use because I didn't have the responsibilities of being a head coach at Marquette High anymore. And so, again, you start thinking about that. You start thinking about, okay, what can I do? Um, and there's got to be something. Um, and that's how it worked for me. You know, I, you can learn, you can either be bitter at people um, and let that weigh you down, or you can be grateful for the, I, I was grateful for 14 years at Marquette High. We had a lot of success, built a lot of relationships. Um, I think I was fairly well respected by my peers. That's pretty good. You know something? That's pretty good. And so when that is where I, that became my new starting point is that I think I still have something to offer. And, um, you know, the rest of that kind of has been history. And it was a, um, I, I, I haven't missed basketball because I was involved. It was right. just in a, it was just in a different way now. Different context for sure. Yep. Uh, I think the last thing is, and the one is what advice do you have for young coaches through your whole journey of you, you said 30 years of being around the game and you're writing your book of uh, your journey uh, uh, to purpose and, and, and so forth is what, what do you, if you were to give a couple of key things of young coaches, what do you, what do you suggest? I think, um, if I were a young coach starting off, um, the first thing I would say is to be authentic. Don't try to be, don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to be Coach Cooks. Don't try to be Coach Collins. Don't try to be Coach K. Whoever you are, bring that to the table and you stay true to who you are. Now, staying true to who you are doesn't mean that you aren't unwilling to change what you do. I think that you need to be flexible. You need to be willing to consider other ways of doing things. Um, I think that there is a certain amount of patience and understanding that you must bring to the table. You are dealing with teenagers. You are not dealing with adults. They are teenagers who have lives, who have issues, who have things they're dealing with. Uh, they may be bigger and stronger than the other teenagers, but they are at the same place emotionally and otherwise as everybody else. And I think it's important to remember that so that you can have some fun with them. Have a pizza party once in a while unannounced. Take them bowling somewhere unannounced. Do some things that allow for them to be the teenagers that they are. And I think that will impact how they will perform for you in the gym. Um, those are the things that I think. I would, and the third thing I think I would say is um, if you are able to find someone that can mentor you, someone that you can trust, that you can bounce things off of outside of your circle, find someone like that. Someone that is objective, that's independent, that's not trying to get your job, that's not interested in, in getting a job, but just wants to serve and help you. If you can find someone like that, and there's plenty of us around that are willing to help you do that, I would do that. 
for sure. That's one of the reasons why we started teach, uh, teach hoops.com and mentoring other coaches is that I think from learning from the best, the best coaches around coach K I think about the mentorship he got from Bobby Knight and all the, uh, he talked about Tommy Amaker and, and, and Mike Bray and all those guys, they learned from him, you know, it's, it's a craft, it's a trade, you know, they, they, they learn from great coaches. I think that's great. Um, so, Overall, David Cooks, I really appreciated your time tonight on, on Coach Unplugged. Um, your book, Getting Undressed, was awesome. Uh, definitely going to put that on the show notes. Also, just a, a reminder, David also is a speaker uh, and, and does uh, some of the speaking venues and stuff at, with his book and other things within his, um, his company and so forth. And Any, other, uh, any of the other things that you need to say tonight, David, or are you good to go? No, no, I think, um, uh, again, I appreciate the opportunity and, um, you know, as, as basketball is a great game, you know, and, and um, let's keep it fun. Um, let's keep it what it's supposed to be. It's not, it's not a business at the high school level. Um, this is to be your goal as a coach ultimately is for the players on your team to have a great experience. That's what you want them to have. And if winning comes with that, so be it. If it doesn't, so be it. So let's make sure that we do that in the process of, of all the stuff that we do in terms of our preparation and X and O's and all the stuff that obviously we have to do to be successful. Just, just make sure the kids have a great experience. Uh, the last thing I would say, it always seems like you're jumping on some new journey of life uh, throughout your book is uh, with this whole book and speaking and so forth. I wish you the best of luck. Um, thank you for doing such great things in the state of Wisconsin with basketball and so forth. And um, I really appreciate your time. Thank you very Great. much. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that. I will have everything down in the show notes as far as finding the book and all those kind of things. There's no worry as far as finding Coach's, coach's book down below. Um, let me know if you have any questions. Make sure you subscribe and like and go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Sports Social Podcast Network.